Well, well, well. What do we have here? How the fuck are ya? Sorry, I wanted to get an expletive out right away because I noticed that for a little bit there on Apple Podcasts, this podcast was being labeled as having clean lyrics. No. Ain't no clean lyrics here, son. Fuck that shit. Now that we got that out of the way, hello, this is the Old Head Podcast. I'm Steven. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back if you've listened before. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and like and comment and all those things. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or as we are recently found on Spotify Podcast, make sure you subscribe or whatever you do on those things. And as always, please feel free to email me anything at oldheadpodcast at gmail.com. So, let's jump into this week's topic. And I decided, since this show is basically just me running my mouth, why don't I give you something to go off of? Tell you a little bit about me. No, I don't mean my background and my biography. I mean my top 10 albums. Yep. And while I know that's a pretty big task for somebody like me, I decided to throw down some ground rules for this particular list. The number one rule is the album has to be metal or rock, because so far that's kind of what we're talking about, so I'm going to stick to that. So of course that means on this list, as much as I love them, you're not going to see Check Your Head or Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. Maybe we'll spend another episode talking about hip-hop. But for now, it's rock and metal. The other rule that I had was that I was only able to include one album per band. And finally, the last rule, the album has to have been released prior to this century. So that gives me a little bit of time to have lived with these albums and confirm that they are truly my top 10. So let's go ahead and get started. Number 10, starting this list off with a loud one, the 1994 album, Far Beyond Driven by Pantera. Now, I'm not going to go into the history of these bands because especially a band like Pantera, if you don't know, you can hit up that Wikipedia. They got some good shit in there to learn about. Anyway, so Far Beyond Driven, uh, it was released in 1994, and after it was released, it hit number one on the Billboard charts, which is crazy for an album this brutal. So apparently something was going right in mainstream America around that time. And also, this was the first album where Daryl Abbott decided he didn't want to go by Diamond Daryl anymore, and he changed his name to Dimebag Daryl, which is probably how everyone remembers him now at this point. But before that, on Vulgar Display of Power, he was Diamond Daryl. So that it's good that I'm mentioning Vulgar Display of Power, because that album almost was the one that was in this spot because it's fucking good if you know those albums you'll know what i'm talking about how there's a lot of great shit on both of these records now the reason why far beyond driven won the spot is because it just resonates a little more with me it has some sort of a weird quality to some of the songs whereas vulgar display of power while it is a brutal and heavy and amazing record. It seems a little bit more normal. Is that the word I'm looking for? I don't really know. All I know is that there are some left turns in Far Beyond Driven that I think are kind of cool, and the riffs are just fucking insane. The song Slaughtered 
is probably one of the heaviest and coolest fucking guitar riffs ever. In fact, there's two or three amazing guitar riffs in that song. And then on top of that, the music video for I'm Broken is probably one of my favorite music videos. It, it says a lot about a band when a video of just four guys in a dimly lit room playing a song is the best video that you could make. So I don't need to go on and on about Pantera. They're amazing. Far Beyond Driven is my number 10. Now let's move on to number nine. Another album released in the year of our Lord, 1994. This album is The Bleeding from Cannibal Corpse. Another fucking brutal record. And one that marked the ending of the original lineup of Cannibal Corpse. This was the last album with Chris Barnes on vocals. Now, I do love Corpse Grinder as the Cannibal Corpse vocalist now. And to be fair... Chris Barnes didn't actually start shining, in my opinion, until this record. And then, funny enough, he leaves and starts Six Feet Under, and that is kind of a disappointment. So, I love you, Chris, but this album was your crowning achievement. And it is quite an achievement. It is a brutal death metal record, and I don't mean brutal death metal as in the subgenre that ended up coming into existence somehow. I don't fucking know. All these different little subgenres that have a minute difference from a different one, whatever, fuck that shit. This is just classic death metal the way it was meant to be done. And on top of that, it's a fucking catchy record. This is probably one of the few death metal records where I think I know all of the lyrics to it. And I growl along. You're never going to hear me do that. But I do in the comfort of my own home when I'm by myself. But I digress. This album is amazing. The riffs are amazing. The songs are interesting. They're all classic songs. I can't say enough good things about it. The Bleeding, Cannibal Corpse at number nine. Now let's move on to number eight. Let's turn the clock back a little bit. Now, when this album came out in 1988, I was pretty young, and I don't think I ended up hearing it until two years later, because I remember there was a girl in one of my classes who let me borrow two tapes. One of them was the debut album from Trickster, eh? and the second one was this album, State of Euphoria by Anthrax. So this was, for the most part, my entrance into the world of thrash metal. This was the first real thrashy album I heard. Before that, I had heard the song One by Metallica, because it was on MTV, and maybe a few other things, but this was the first time... I really paid attention to the sound that would end up warming my heart for years and years and years to come. This album is, in my opinion, Anthrax at their best. Now, there are really great things about Persistence of Time, which came after this, and amazing things, as everyone knows, with the album Among the Living, which came out before this one. But this one, for me, not only was it my introduction, but also... It's got the best production out of all of their albums. Everything's real crisp. Everything's heavy. The riffs sound crunchy. Joey Belladonna's vocals are amazing on this record. Sure, some of the songs are not as great as other ones, but as a whole, it is really the album that if somebody came to me and said, hey, can you uh, play me an example of thrash metal? I'd probably put on this record. So kudos, Anthrax, for making it to number eight. And Anthrax is one of my favorite bands ever, so the fact they're at eight says something about what we've got coming up. 
At number seven in 1992, a band that I was already really into released an album that was everything I never knew I needed to hear. And that album was Angel Dust by Faith No More. Now, Angel Dust is the last album with Jim Martin on guitars, and I truly miss that guy. I think Faith No More continued to make great music, but for some reason, the shit with Jim Martin on guitar is always going to be my favorite. Now, historically, it's known that Jim Martin didn't have a really fun time making this record, but that doesn't change the fact that what he did accomplish here as a guitar player with these really strange songs is pretty fucking amazing. So, Faith No More, this is the second album with Mike Patton on vocals, and the first one where he really has an influence over what's going on. So everything's still heavy, there's a lot of bass guitar, it's funky at times, but there's this experimentation with heavier metal and other forms of music that just start seeping in, and this album is like the best example of being able to tread this line that you didn't even know existed. And they created this masterpiece that still surprises me to this day. So there you go. Number seven, Angel Dust. Which brings us to number six, another album released in 1992. Now, this album had a huge influence on me as a musician and a guitarist. That album is Meantime by the band Helmet. Helmet is a noise rock slash metal, slash groovy thing. It's hard to explain, because Helmet was kind of doing something that no one else was really doing at the time. And Paige Hamilton, he had a way of making these rhythmically exciting songs that rivaled hip-hop when you would crank them on your car speakers. And Meantime is really the best example of the Helmet sound. It's all there. And I'm still trying to rip his shit off to this day. So, let's move on to number five. Number five comes from a band that is very important to me, not just in my life as a musician, but also at the time that it came out, I was one of those young people who were kind of lost and were into heavy music and felt misunderstood. And this band came along that pretty much changed everything for me, and that band is Nirvana. And the album at number five is the 1993 album In Utero. Now, I would have to say that Nevermind is probably a more important album in my life because it truly changed my life when it came out because it gave me the inspiration to start playing guitar and writing songs. But... In Utero is just the best marriage of their noisier side and their more melodic side, and it's a way more interesting album than Nevermind. And also, it makes me feel things. Now, I don't know if it's because of the fact that we ended up losing Kurt Cobain a year or so after the album came out, but... You listen to a song like All Apologies, it just sounds haunting and beautiful. It, it's really one of the best 
things ever recorded, in my opinion. And there's a whole lot of this on the album, whether it's the more screamy and chaotic songs or the real quiet, somber songs on that album. So I probably don't need to tell you about this album. You probably already know it. So let's move on to number four. This album is from a band who, in my opinion, fell off big time in the mid-90s and is still struggling to gain their footing. I hope they do. But in 1990, they released a masterpiece called Rust in Peace. The band is Megadeth. Duh. And this is the first album with the greatest lineup of Megadeth, and that is with Dave and Dave and Marty Friedman and Nick Menza. This album is pretty much fucking perfect. It's got crazy complicated riffs, some amazing grooves. The band is tight as fuck. It is expertly executed. I can't even stress that. I, it's like perfect. And this is before all the technology of editing shit and copying and pasting and shit to make everything perfect. These dudes were just fucking monsters. Listen to the song, Holy Wars, The Punishment Due. It has got to be one of the best opening songs of any album. It is one of those songs that it comes on. If I'm in a car, I'm at least going 15 miles over the speed limit, if not more. It is so good. I don't know what else to say about it. You know what? Let's move on. Speaking of amazing first tracks, album number three on my top 10 comes from a band who burst onto the scene in 1987. And the first song that I heard, and I'm sure you probably heard too, was the opener on this album. And it's a song called Welcome to the Jungle. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses comes in at number three on my list. Now I feel like I don't even need to talk about this album. I'm sure you've heard people talk about it. It's one of the best debut albums of all time. It's the only album from the classic lineup of Guns N' Roses, Axel Slash, Duff, Izzy, Steven Adler. Yes, I know names. You could probably make the argument that every single track on Appetite for Destruction is a hit. There is not a dull moment on this album. It is like these guys raged on to the scene like total badasses and just destroyed everything in their path. It's a classic. It's an amazing record. What more can I say? So let's move on to number two, my second favorite band of all time and their second full-length album that was released in 1992. I'm talking about Dirt by Alice in Chains. This album is the shit. It is dark and heavy and weird at times, but also very beautiful. It was also a very commercial record. It was a very strange time for music, and by strange, I mean awesome. This was the last Alice in Chains album with Mike Starr on bass, and what a way to go out. The song Wood, on its own, is one of the best songs ever written. It defines a time period for me. It just sounds like the early 90s, and Alice in Chains at the time was one of those amazing bands that, while they were a part of this new Seattle grunge movement that was storming through everything. They also were a very heavy band and very rooted in metal. 
And so people like me who were listening to Metallica and Anthrax and things like that, when we heard the riff for Them Bones, it was just as metal as everything else that we were in love with. This album has been in my number two spot of my top ten forever, and it probably will be until I'm shuffled off this mortal coil. And that also brings us to my number one album of all time. This is another one that has been my number one for a very long time and will remain my number one. I can't imagine a scenario where some album comes out that is better than this album. It would blow my beer-addled mind if it happened. But for now, the number one album on my top ten albums is, drumroll please, Ride the Lightning by Metallica. This album came out in 1984. I didn't hear it until about 1990 or 91. And to be fair, I was one of those people that jumped on the Metallica bandwagon right around the time the Black Album came out. I'm not going to try to be cool. I'm not. But because of that, not only was the Black Album this amazing album, but you immediately went, I want to go back and listen to all of their shit. And you did. So I was ingesting Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All, and the Black Album all at the same time. So over the years, my perception of each album has become a little more acute. Is that the word I'm looking for? Either way, Ride the Lightning is the one that has come out on top because it's just fucking great. It's got the energy and the balls of Kill 'Em All, and it's a little bit more progressive moving towards where Master of Puppets would end up. It's just such a concise and well-written and well-performed collection of the best metal that has ever been made and will ever be made. Amen. So, how do you feel about these? Post some shit in the comments. Post your top 10 albums in the comments or email them to me at oldheadpodcast at gmail.com. I'd be happy to hear anyone's criticism or agreement. Do you think I should have included different albums from these bands? Should some albums have been higher up or down? Or did I fucking forget some amazing record that I should have put on here? I doubt it, but I'd like to hear what you think. So feel free to reach out. All right, that's the end of another Old Head podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're having a lovely day or night or whenever the hell it is you're listening to this. I'm just tickled pink that you're actually listening. Did I just say tickled pink? Scratch that from the record. I didn't say that. But I am very happy that anyone's listening. So until next time, keep on rocking in the free world. Thanks, Neil Young. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye.